welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Benji and Igor talk with James Dale, Director of Training and Development at Breakthrough Academy, about the best way to reinforce the positive attributes of a new hire while prepping them mentally for inevitable on-the-job coaching. Welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Benji and Igor here from the studio for episode five of our six-part Ultimate Hiring Funnel series. Now, if you're listening to this, you definitely already know the cost of just one bad hire to your profitability, your team morale, your brand, uh, certainly your own personal stress levels. But what I want you to really think about right now is the true cost over your entire career of not being an exceptional interviewer, of being someone that is susceptible to frequent hiring mistakes. As we say all the time on this show, you run a people-driven business. Your ability to objectively analyze someone's previous behavior and use that to predict their future performance and do that with a high degree of accuracy is one of the deadliest skills you can have as an entrepreneur. Your growth potential is directly related to how well you can team build, and interviewing is arguably the most crucial step in the whole process. Understanding a candidate, not just in terms of what's on their resume, but actually their deep-rooted wiring, their personality style, their strengths, their weaknesses, their core values, and even their wants and needs for the future allows you to be an extremely precise decision maker when it comes to personnel. This is why we're really excited to be joined today by James Alish, the managing director of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, the world's largest junk removal service. James is at the helm of a brand doing $490 million a year in revenue and is executing a multi-year strategy to exceed a billion by 2025. Now, over the course of his extensive career, James has done literally thousands of interviews to build powerhouse teams. He knows this all-important process inside and out, and we're thrilled to have him on to share his wisdom and his insights on the topic of interviewing with you. Yeah, just before we get into it, guys, if you want to look at the interviewing framework that we discuss in this episode, check out the link in the description. You can download it for free and use it in your next interview. So let's get into some interviewing secrets with one of the best in the game, James Alish. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, just before we jump into things, I wanted to let you know you can get the free resources that we talk about in this episode in the show description. So hit pause right now, go download them, and they'll be waiting in your inbox by the time we finish this episode. James Alish, thanks for coming to the studio and joining us on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Igor. We really appreciate you being here, James. Uh, I want to start with what I think is an easy one, okay? so Softball. Why do we interview? What are we hoping to accomplish by doing these? 
Yeah, great question, Benji. I think that's uh, might be an easy one, but the interesting piece in my experience is not 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 everybody's always clear on that. Mm. Uh, so, uh, from my experience or my perspective, uh, if you're going to invest the time in uh, in doing an interview properly, there's three reasons that you would do it. Uh, one is that you would be um, scoring someone on some specific criteria, very specific criteria. So you want to have a roadmap for what you're interviewing the person for, and you want to have an objective score on those things at the end of the interview so that you can make a decision. Totally. You know, on moving the person forward or not. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, so that you can predict performance of the person. Like when you're interviewing the person, you got the criteria, you score them. What you're trying to do is you're trying to predict their performance given that you may have just met them and you're trying to see what their fit is. So that's number one. Um... Number two is you're trying to find out the gaps because not everybody's perfect. You're never going to find that perfect candidate. So even if they do score well on certain criteria, where are their, their weaknesses? They've got stuff their, to work on. Yeah, their limitations so that you can coach them and you have a realistic expectation going in. And that, that is part of the interview. That's part of the reference checks. But trying to create a full picture of not just where are they strong, but where do you need to be prepared mm-hmm. to lean in with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the third reason would be to, uh, to sell you know, the, uh, the stronger the candidate, the more attracted they are to um, structure and the more attracted they are to uh, someone who really is clear on what they're looking for and what they're not looking for. So the reality is part of how you conduct an effective interview is, uh, is to attract the candidate to say yes, should you want to offer them the role. So those would be the three reasons. And I think that selling piece is the one that's that's uh, underestimated the most, particularly in this in this contracting space. It's there, there's um, everyone needs to realize like the people that you want on your team, the A plus players, they're probably going to three or four other interviews that week. You are absolutely not the only option that they have in front of them. So. Speaking about the company, speaking about the values, the role in a way, we talked about this in the last episode in the series as well when we were doing these interview setup calls, being able to capture that person's attention in a way that that makes them think, you know what, I think of the three routes I have in front of me, this one feels like the best one. That's, yep. that's the sales piece. Yeah. And I really like James's second point there. I think a lot of people don't really register this uh, in their mind is, is that you're really building a long-term relationship with this person that begins at that interview. And if you're going to lead them and coach them and develop them, mm-hmm. this is such a great starting point to understand where the fit is exceptional and where there are some gaps. Because, I mean, we've all felt this, right? You're kind of like trying to put this like square peg into a round hole. No one's ever perfect. Like how often does someone come across your desk where they are like the most perfect fit in every way? It's so rare. And you wouldn't kind of build a career of developing great leaders under you where you can only slot in the perfect ones. You You have to develop in a way where you can put in people that aren't quite perfect around all the edges and develop them. And that absolutely starts at, at the interview process, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So James, let me ask you this. You've done, um, you've done a huge number of interviews. Your career has grown from hiring painters and running painting crews to now, like most recently interviewing, you know, current CFOs of large national companies and and everything in between. Did these principles around interviewing change? How are they different? Like if you're hiring a painter versus a CFO in, in, in a very large organization, like what's different? What's the same? Yeah, I think great question. I think, um, what's different is, um, 
you know, I can probably expect or uh, one would expect when you're just a little more advanced in your career, you're interviewing people at a higher level that you're going to be talking primarily to qualified candidates. Mm -hmm. So that's a difference, right? So it's, right. it's less of are they capable um, and it's more on fit, mm. yeah. right? So whereas, you know, if you're, you're hiring a technician or you're hiring a laborer of any kind, part of what you're trying to de determine is, is competence as well as fit, right? right? And so there's a couple more things that you're probably probing in on. But in terms of what's the same, uh, you know what, Igor, I believe that the, the, the principles of know what you're looking for mm. being kind of the foundation uh, for an interview, that doesn't change at all. It doesn't matter what the, what the role is, what the level is, whether you're, a, you know, you're a, a senior executive of a very, very large organization or whether you're a junior salesperson coming on and you're the first salesperson mm. in the company. The hard work of the interview is for the person that's making the decision to be really clear on how they're going to make their decision. Because when interviews break down, or mm -hmm. also known as we waste a lot of our time, it's when it becomes <laughs> very subjective, right? And you have these conversations with others. And go, well, I feel that the person is this, or I like this. Or, that's not an interview. That's a yeah. conversation, right? So the more, <laughs> the more clear you are on how yeah. you're going to make your decision, which is really the hard work that comes up front, and that's, you know, you know, I'm sure you're, you know, you're familiar and you guys use the language of a fit model. The more you know what your model is and how you're going to determine, like, really, okay, so I'm saying in my business, you know, to the audience, it's a sales role or it's an it's a operations manager role. Well, what does that mean for you? Like, mm. what are your top mm. five things you want to see? Because there could be 15 things that you want, but what are the five most important? So that, that doesn't change regardless of the role. And to me, that's kind of the, the bedrock of trying to find the right person. I love it. And that's, that's such a piece that I think a lot of people, uh, especially as, as they're developing as a leader and an entrepreneur and are interviewing and, and the, their company's growing and you're interviewing more and more people and, and higher level people, that's such a step that people miss is that pre-planning and pre-thinking yeah. when you're designing the role. It's just, it, it is something that often gets completely missed. So on that note, what I would love to do is to dive into for you, what are the steps that you go through uh, on every interview? Like what are the fundamental principles that stay, whether you're hiring a technician or, or a head of operations or anything in between? So tell us a bit about like you know, right from the, the initial kind of candidate profile, the ideal candidate profile, how do you kind of think through what you're looking for, developing what, what is this fit model, the preferences and abilities, mm -hmm. what am I looking for? How do you go through that whole process? Walk us, walk us through it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You just, I'm going to say something before I answer your question and you can come back to it later if you want, yeah. but just made me think of something is when you're, when you're, um, uh, I'm thinking about, um, our organization, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which is a you know a home services business like many of your listeners are, or any service business, whether it's in a franchise or a local, you know, someone that's uh, building a brand locally. Uh, one of the things that I find people are doing more and more, um, um, and it's more and more dangerous in the labor market that we're getting into uh, and are experiencing right now across North America is uh, making gross assumptions hmm. based on what they see in an application or an applicant. Yeah. Right. It happens a lot less as you get to mid-management, senior management, than executive level. Like That's not a problem, but just for your audience, uh, just a heads up that be careful how much you assume mm -hmm. <laughs> based on a first impression. Right. And speed to lead trumps everything. Hmm. So you want to be qualifying people in, not qualifying people out. But maybe we can come back to that, just that thought triggered when you asked mm -hmm. the question. But um, it's... Uh, 
you can miss a lot of good people because what you read on a page isn't necessarily the way that you would have written it. But are you talking like 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 people might be overvaluing certain? Hey, I really need someone with five years of landscaping experience, and so like sure. you make it too narrow of a, yeah. a piece of criteria. And it's like well, actually this person that like managed a Dairy Queen for a couple of years, which maybe like doesn't look like your perfect fit. They're actually they actually have everything that you would need. You just didn't do like the probe and you didn't dig into them. So you're like you're actually putting too much on what's on the resume and not enough on like the interview, the values, their previous history. Yeah, I, it's, that's it, Benji. I think I think you got to be careful how many assumptions you make. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. the reason often people make the assumptions, and I totally know Igor, I'm going a different direction than it's your okay. question, but we'll bring okay. this train back. Um, um, people generally make assumptions or can make assumptions because they've had a bad experience or been burned in the past yeah. and they project that onto the person or the application that they see. I just say like, if you're trying to grow a service business from 500,000 to a million or a million to 3 million, or 10 million, or whatever yeah. it is, your biggest asset is your people and just slow down. Don't make any assumptions. Mm -hmm. And your, your example of, um, uh, what was it managing a, uh, yeah. Like if you were looking, if you were looking for a, for, for a new landscape technician or a foreman yeah. or so, some sort of like boots on the ground type role, what I've seen people do a lot is they like insist that you need to have all of these qualifications. You need to have yeah. these tickets. You've worked with this equipment and these mm -hmm. tools. And it's like, you're looking for a needle in a haystack in an already extremely competitive market. Why don't you just like loosen up on what you say you need and actually look at the individual? Because the they, yeah. they probably, you could probably make that person into an unbelievable asset for your company, but you're like, you're looking at it in this very black and white sort of gridded yeah. way that I think is to their detriment. Yeah, I'm, I, exactly. What I'm saying is, is just be careful on your assumptions yeah. and you don't want to miss out on people. And uh, in my experience, like, um, you hire for fit, uh, especially at the at the level of that the businesses that we're talking about. And uh, if you use your example, like can you train the competence of how to, you know, deliver an on budget, you know, on quality standard mm -hmm. customer experience, you know, um, landscaping project? Can you train that? You probably can. If yeah. the person has, you know, uh, high customer orientation, they are dependable. They have a high need for money. They um, Whabber go on you could go on and on yeah. they, they, they are oriented to goals yeah. right those all these types of things and um, sometimes that shows up really really poorly in a first impression of a mm -hmm. of a, an email or or, mm -hmm. or a resume anyways we don't have but to it's get your job to figure that out yeah yeah, yeah. so don't don't like you want to, you want to start wider yeah right yeah. start wider and uh, the challenge for that is time right yeah. because if we've got entrepreneurs that are listening to us they're like yeah James that's great I can talk to all kinds of people but I don't have time because I'm yeah. in my vehicle or I'm leading other crews or other people. I get that totally. So we can talk about that later, then find someone who can dedicate their focus to finding you the best people because that's the biggest component to your success as you grow. 100%, right? And, and we did speak to this a few episodes ago in this Ultimate Hiring Funnel series where the, there is huge ROI on having people drive recruiting. I think you guys see that like in your, in, in the O2E uh, work, like yeah. how many people would you guys have that are that, that touch recruiting in some way? Well, everybody touches it, but I think the the businesses that are growing the fast, and just speaking from my own experience of businesses I, I have owned, when we've hit kind of critical inflection points, um, if you're in a service business, people is people are your your mm -hmm. um, your biggest asset, and uh, when you can dedicate resources to that, and and I, when I say to that, it doesn't even have to be the full funnel recruiting; it could just be the top of funnel mm -hmm. people who are trained and competent at at how to job broadcast and how to. Fill a funnel. How to where to apply the right time, what times of day, etc. Just that focus is everything, and then that allows you that choice. So, how mm -hmm. many people? Everybody touches it, and I'd say, uh, you know, in a system of you know, the one hundred got junk systems, five hundred million in revenue. We've got one hundred and sixty franchise partners. We've got 
60-ish uh, full-time dedicated recruiters that probably touch 80, half of the system yeah. so or, or more. And then yeah. we've got a bunch of others that are part-time dedicated. There's stats on this that says when you're, when you're um, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what the number is because I don't want to dissuade the listeners from, from jumping in with both feet. I believe this is an investment. You're at a million bucks. You want to get to 10 million or 5 million, invest in this role. But there's, there's all this kind of data, data on that can, that can give you some backup totally. to prove it out. Yeah, so ha having a full top of funnel, pretty pretty crucial to to having the rest play out. Yeah, so effectively. totally. So do you want to yeah. go now to the uh, to your question on the process? Yeah. So tell us a bit about the process. So let's just say like we we are at a point where we have a strong funnel. You yeah. are starting to have people that are going to sit in front of you at your desk. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your process. Like what are you doing prior to meeting with these individuals? So on and so forth. And I'm your audience and I'm hearing this. That's the lens yes. that we're going through. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, step one, I think we touched on a little bit. It's that, it's that roadmap or the fit and really wrestling with yourself and saying, okay, how I, I would do it is I would start wider and brainstorm. Okay. Here's 10 things that I'd like to see in somebody that works for me. Sales experience, the ability to drive a vehicle, yeah. uh, getting right down to it, um, attainment, the preference to hit goals, the track rate, record for leadership, the ability to finish what you start, emotional control, values alignment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I got 11 things. I can't interview for 11 things, yeah. but I can interview for like five, right? Mm -hmm. So what are the core five, right? And I'm going to pick up some notes on the others as I go. So define your core five or six. So here, here are my criteria. Once I've got my criteria, then I would weight them because not all criteria are necessarily interesting. Equal, right? right? So this is the part where you say wrestle with yourself because you have yeah. to make some of these tough decisions, right? If this is like a sales guy or sales leader, maybe you're saying, well, his ability to be super precise and detail-oriented isn't the most critical thing yeah. among some of these others. Right, right. Like right. his gas tank, his orientation to goals, his, his, yeah. his experience in leading a sales team, you know, in, in that role specifically. Or if, if I had somebody who was leading a call center and ran my workforce management, decisions and, sorry, precision and detail is pretty important, totally, right? Yeah. Every decision impacts a lot of dollars. Yeah. So yeah, the roadmap and then prioritizing them. Right. And the beauty of this is, for everybody that's listening, uh, the great news is you don't really have to do this over and over, right? Like as you're scaling a business, and I'm sure you guys talk yeah. about this yeah. all the time, the objective is to have this done for the roles and ideally in advance when you need the roles. Yeah, exactly. You've got these models clear, uh, and then you just use them over and over again. But if you don't have them the first time you build them, and so I've got my five criteria, I weight them. Um, and then um, uh, in terms of preparation, uh, I would advise people uh, don't underestimate you know, the importance of just giving yourself a little bit of focused time to think in advance about the fit and who the person is. Yeah. Again, part of the prep sometimes is just opening yourself up to what you may see in the CV or the letter and saying, hey, I'm... I'm got some problems with this, just relax and just be open and do your thing. Yeah. Um, and then um, when, when, when you meet with a candidate, I'd recommend the person follow a process um, that looks something similar to, you've got bookends to the interview. Mm -hmm. On one side, uh, similar to any uh, sales process, you would start with rapport. And uh, to me, rapport is the art of getting somebody else talking. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's how you would start. You just, you just check in, you would connect with the person, um, then you would move to laying out a clear agenda for the interview, which is structure, which we talked earlier about. There's a bit of selling going there. Like I'm not, I'm not selling features, but I'm conveying competence. Yeah. That, that's what the selling is. I've right? done this before. This isn't my first time doing an interview. That's, that's the impression yeah, you want to give the person what, yeah, sitting across right. from you. I, yeah, I don't have an abundance of time. I'm taking this really seriously. Yeah. I really appreciate you being here, and I'm going to guide us on how we're going to use the time. Any questions? That's kind of the orientation that you want mm. them to be feeling. So you lay out the agenda. Um, 
and then you uh, you go through your probing, which we want to talk a bit about that specifically. Mm -hmm. We can. But then you, the the meat and potatoes of the interview is you walking through the person's experiences mm -hmm. and looking for very specific examples in life where you're probing in and you're really proving to yourself that what you're looking for is there or it isn't there. Wrap up with uh, the allowance of the person to ask you some questions. Make sure you always give them the opportunity um, to uh, you know get clear on whatever you need. Then you set the clear next steps, whatever that may be. Um, and we can talk a bit about the end of the interview and how you might yeah. how you might be talking and painting the picture for future opportunities and how that might look a little bit different Let, with let's people. Dive into what you just said a second ago. You're walking through the, their previous experience and you're you're looking for evidence of certain traits that mm -hmm. you have deemed are important. Yeah. And this is that's that's done. You know, that's that's premeditated. We we did that um, in our ideal candidate profile. So let's just say you're getting to uh, you've done the rapport. They're comfortable. They've taken the mask off. You set purpose and outcomes. They know why. They know why they're there. They understand the process that's about to follow. But now you're into the that focus time. You've shifted your energy. Yep. And I'm going to use an example of attainment. Like we've deemed that the role we're hiring, we need to have someone that's goal oriented. Mm -hmm. It's how they're wired. It's in their DNA. How would like how would you actually probe for that trait? Like give us an example of what that might sound like in a in a James Alish interview. Sure. Sure. So if I was um, someone in, uh, in your audience and whether it was a sales role, an operations role, um, pro but not probably before I, I started probing for attainment, I would, I would get a bit of a roadmap for who they were, which typically you could see on a LinkedIn profile. If they have one, mm -hmm. you can see on a resume. You kind of got that in front of you. But I would just validate that before I started probing. I'd say, let's talk about you and what's the journey and what you've done. And I would literally like write, map it out. You know, mm -hmm. with the person, if I'm in person, I'm in, in person with them, and say, okay, in the last five years, here's kind of what you've done. Here, so you are literally your jobs. have it out like on a timeline where you're yeah. kind of looking at what what have they been up to in the last five, ten years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Highs, lows. Yes, highs and stuff. lows. Because where the examples, Benji, are going to come out are in that person's life. Yeah. Right. Like whether it's their jobs, their relationships, mm -hmm. their community involvement, their sports. Mm -hmm. um, whatever, like what you want to know is what do I have to work with? What's the roadmap of this person's life? Okay, so I'm talking to Igor and look at this. He's done some skiing. Uh, he's got a family of five. He's um, worked at three different places and uh, he's moved twice. Okay, good. That's what I'm going to talk about. So to your question, now that I have those six things, attainment will show up or won't show up in every one of those things. Right. So if you, if you, for example, if he's talking about, if so I know this roadmap. So Igor, let's talk about this, uh, this job here. When you were working for Johnson Industries, tell me about that role. Get the person talking a little bit. What were you working towards there, Igor? What were some mm -hmm. goals that you were shooting for at that time? Mm -hmm. If someone has attainment, if I were to ask this guy right now, what were some goals in his last job? It'd be very easy for him yeah. to answer the question. I love goals. Right? <laughs> um, someone with high attainment, uh, there's a, a good friend and a mentor of mine, uh, Tim Clark, a year, decades ago probably. I'm sorry, Tim, I'm dating us. He would have said something to me that was quite funny, but uh, stuck with me. Someone with high attainment will have that come out in how they tie their shoes, right? And I laugh because I think of myself and my day and how my day goes. And like, I know what time I'm up. I've got a goal to have my coffee made by a certain time. Yeah. I'm going to have this done by 6.20 in the morning. By this time, I want to be doing this. And before I get in my first meeting, this, this, and this has to be, has to get done. You're so wired that, that way. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's a preference that you have, right? Yeah. And so if you find yourself having to, and this is the same as any, any preference or characteristic um, that we were talking about, we could talk about Benji. The harder you have to look for something, mm. the more likely it isn't there. 
And the, I think I've heard you say that's that's the hardest part of an interview is when you you perhaps you like someone you really need you really need someone to fill this position. Oh yeah, and you're just like dig you're digging you're going to the bottom of the bale or <laughs> barrel and you're like well, okay where where is this attainment here is it where are you're we gonna- sure you've never <laughs> set a goal <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah right Sometimes right and that connects back to what we talked about earlier. When I, we were talking about the fact you have to have flow at the top of your funnel, because if you've got no choice, you're yeah. gonna you're, say like you're you're more you're more yeah. tempted to drop your standards and say I have to fill this role with someone that I believe, even if I've done a great interview, yeah. isn't a strong fit. Forget about ideal, that doesn't exist, but just a strong fit, right? Yeah. So the recipe for that to solve that is go back to what we talked about earlier. Get somebody focused on supporting you, filling your top of funnel, and take that seriously. It's an investment like marketing dollars. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get back to this whole probing thing. And we're sure. using the example of attainment and someone that's naturally has like a has a strong orientation deep wired, to goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Orientation to goals. So they're um, you're walking through their 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 life story over the last 10 years, the highs, the lows. How are you kind of peeling back the onion? What are what is your general approach to getting deeper and deeper into specific scenarios? Right. So you said you get them talking through working at Johnson Industries. What what was your what were your objectives? What like where might you go from there? Yeah, I believe truth shows up uh, a couple of levels down. You know, when mm-hmm. you think about the people that your audience is interviewing, you know, um, I'm assuming primarily, uh, you know, field sales teams yeah. or operations teams. It would be like laborers, foremen, project managers, like potentially operations managers for bigger businesses. There'd be like an administrative, so office managers, yeah. secretaries, yeah. bookkeepers, maybe an estimator salesperson on the other side, that kind yeah. of stuff. Absolutely. Been there with all of them and uh, uh, totally get it. And uh, so the truth shows up a couple layers down. Because is um, so with your example, Igor, um, they say that they've got a previous employment at um, Johnson Industries, whatever it was, and uh, you say, well, what were some things you were uh, trying to accomplish there? Mm-hmm. And let's say you're Mike that I'm in- interviewing, and you say. What were some things you were trying to accomplish in that role? So I had to bring in one and a half million dollars a year in revenue, uh, or sorry, in sales, and um, and I had to bring in work at a certain that hits a certain gross gross profit mark, and I had quarterly goals, and I was held accountable by month, essentially. Okay, usually it's not. You know, that's a layup. Usually it's, it's <laughs> okay. that much. It's to worse. With. <laughs> I had to bring in a bunch of sales. My manager didn't tell me exactly how much, but I knew I had to work super hard. <laughs> okay, so we got something. He's got yeah. a sales target there, right? Yeah. So I've got a sales target. So what I'm now going to do is I'm going to try to unpack how, if I'm looking for attainment, like yeah. what your level of attainment is and, and how you know uh, mm-hmm. strongly you go after goals, what I want to look, I'm just going to talk about that. And I'm going to just go in into that and I'll show you how I'll do that in a second. Um, but I'm looking to see... Uh, was this something that was actually hard for him, easy for him, mm. meaningful to him, not meaningful for him? Um, somebody can be given given a number as a salesperson mm. by a sales manager, and that person, Mike over here, he can say, yeah, my goal is just selling a million in sales. He could have no attainment. He just worked in a, in a, in a business where somebody said your goal is um, totally. you know, a million bucks. So I would maybe say, the brand was great and work came in. And, and he was lucky and yeah. away he went. Yeah, yeah. So I would, just, I, I would say, okay, Mike, let's, let's start talking about that. Tell me about that. Who set your goals? How did that, how did that go? How, how, many, how many years were you there again? Okay, so how did the goals vary by year? Okay, so just with this goal, what was that first one called? Okay, who set that? What was his name? What was your manager, sales manager's name? At that point, you can tell how easy it is for the person to answer the question or how, hard, how much they have to really scramble and think. Mm. And that's showing me that this probably isn't that natural, but I keep going. So I try to recreate the environment of where that actually happened. And what I'm trying to decipher is how authentic and real is this? 
what did it really mean to the person? How hard did they have to work? And that just, that kind of gives me what I'm looking for. So I would take Mike down a path of where were you? How did it happen? Who were the very specific people that mm. were involved? Talk to me about the challenges involved with that. Right. How did you overcome those challenges? And if there's nothing there, I stop. Because what we all do when we need people badly or we're in a time crunch, we just keep asking the same question. We're, and eventually we're <laughs> going to hear what we want to answer, yeah. right? Like, oh, there's the attainment, finally. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, right? <laughs> there was a goal. There yeah, was a goal. Course. Yes, yes. Yeah. I can justify yeah. myself spending time, time with this person now. <laughs> But you can't do that, right? Like you have to be honest with yourself and say, I'm either working too hard to find this or the example is there. And if the example is there, it's not hard for the person to give you the example. No. Yeah. Right? If a person is high precision or they're very detail oriented, very structured, we all know them. Yeah. It's not difficult to find that. Right. Right? You talk yeah. about, so you talk, somebody's in an admin role or a finance role for you and you're looking for precision. It's like, how do you organize your time? Talk to me about that. As a matter of fact, can you show me that? Yeah. Show me what you do. When do you do that? Why do you do it that way? If someone's, you know, high precision, like, A, they're going to love showing you because they're proud of it. Right. Someone isn't, it'll be very obvious. Yeah. If you're looking for example after example after yeah. example yeah. after example, and the people that genuinely have that trait, it will show up in space. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, it's It'll there, be in recent not. history. It will be in yeah. way back in their past. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but so the important point I want to highlight, and, and this is great in this context that, J that James gave, your job as an interviewer is to, to help them be open to set it up that way and then to lead them down that conversational path, yeah. right? You're there to facilitate the environment and the conversation and dig kind of deeper and, and bring it to life mm -hmm. for them, but even more importantly for you to bring the scenario to life. That's mm -hmm. your job. And and then the truths will either be there or they won't. That's kind Correct. of what we're saying, right? Yeah. But what we don't care about is what they say they will do. Like this ah, is, this we didn't is, even get into a, that. This <laughs> is a huge, huge, huge pitfall that I think a lot of our listeners will You'll make. You'll do really great work, James, will you? They'll go, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just it. Hey, you know what? This job requires a certain level of grit. It requires a certain level of tenacity, long days, physically demanding. You're you're gonna do that, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you bet. Absolutely, for sure. It's like that. That means nothing. Yeah. You're always looking at previous behavior, using that to predict their future performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't mention that explicitly, but that 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 is super fundamental, I think, to everything we're talking about. When 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 James was talking about that that timeline, that timeline is in the past. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. All your decisions are based on what they've done. So basically, paraphrasing what you said, Benji, that. That example you just went through, that's not an inter interviewing question. That's a, that's a hopeful discussion. Alley-oop. Yeah, yeah, you're teeing them up an easy one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, good. So, James, it, as, as you open up these kind of stories in, the, in this environment for them to speak to the things that they've done, um, do you then systematically, I just want to understand how this works for you in your interview planning, are you systematically going through different preferences and abilities that you are looking for, like you'll you're dive into attainment. And you're like, okay, I got a sense of where it is, and I'll score them. Now I'm going to switch to a totally different topic. Like, how coachable are they, and and their their where are they at in their level of introspection? Are you kind of going one, then the other, then the one after? What, what's what's your model? I'll maybe add one more step to that to kind of the process that you just mapped out that we talked about before I answer that specifically. When you have the criteria. And this maybe just this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyways. When you've got the criteria you're looking for to score, base a decision on. Way of looking at that is called your interview scoring matrix, right? Mm -hmm. You've got these things that I'm gonna I'm gonna you know bump up against that are objective that I'm gonna make my decision with. 
make sure just if, if you're involving any other people in the uh, equation, make sure that they're clear on what is then ultimately the the role the result of the role that you want to see this this hire being able to do. So, for example, probably the most broadly, if you were hiring somebody to be a territory manager for your um, for your business and you're expanding into a new market, uh, you've got your scoring matrix so that you can predict the person's volume, mm-hmm. quality, and profitability. Mm-hmm. So just my, the reason I say that is, we didn't touch on it earlier, is just have the end in mind of what you're trying to um, score for. The reason I say that is because we touched on build the system and scale the system earlier. Like mm-hmm. you, don't wanna, you don't have to do this every time. Everybody listening probably is saying, James, well, why would you do that? I'm the person doing all the interviews. Like I, I know why I'm doing this. Mm. Yeah, will well, hold, be forever. Exactly. Take yeah. the time, right? Document it, map it out so that you can insert somebody and you can coach people to do this for you and scale your business so you don't have to be the person doing it all the time. So um, put yeah. that on pause. Now I'm going to ask you back to your question because I almost forgot it. Yeah, so the question is is essentially we're, so we're building up the model to, to your exact point right now. Yeah. You, you've built a bit of a model. So you're saying if I'm hiring an operations manager, I need them to have traits one, X, two, y, three, Z, four. Yeah. Exactly. So in your interview, um, and, and I'm just thinking to your kind of interview agenda, very practically speaking, you are interviewing for the first one, and then will you kind of zoom it, yeah. back out and they'll go into another one? Yeah. So I'll, I'll have it in front of me, and I'll and for each role, it should become old hat because you, you're getting clear on what you're what you're looking for. And it's not, I wouldn't say Igor, it's it's completely linear. Right? It's not totally linear. You will follow a path, and let's say you have five things that you're looking to score the person on. You, you go through them you know, in the order that whatever your preferred order is. Usually I would go with uh, the one that's weighted the highest first. <laughs> you want to get your, your most important ones done in case you run out of time. Um, but what will happen is in those conversations, other things will show up. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, we're talking, we go back to the example of... Um, I'll just pick one, like what is this person's uh, emotional control or what is their, what is their mm-hmm. ability to lead a team and inspire a team of salespeople or crews or whatever it is. Say you're, say you're interviewing on leadership. As I'm going into their previous experiences on leadership and asking them about the different roles and where were you and how hard was it, how easy was it, what were you responsible for, how did you get that role, tell me more about that, who were the people, who did you like, who didn't you like, where were the conflicts, mm-hmm. da-da-da, all that stuff. Other things will surface. Other things will surface. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. I'm looking for leadership, but I'm actually making little notes about their values, or right. I'm making little notes about whatever, like their organization. So it's it's not a it's not a completely linear, you know, focus where you're just right. listening for one thing. It's it's your your ears are always open. Depending on the candidate, you may knock out three criteria just going down one path, right? you know? So you're more focused on, on, on the life stage and life path because maybe when they were working at Johnson Industries and trying to hit some sort of sales goal, they were part-time doing their MBA and had to balance both. And maybe their child was very sick and, and in a very difficult sure. time and they yeah. had to balance all of those things and be present maybe as a father and do the right thing for the education that they're pursuing and perform at their job. You might, you're saying you might see multiple traits all through that maybe same year of their life. Absolutely. And going back to what Benji said earlier, like the, the art of the interview is really leveraging someone's past experiences to predict their future performance, right? So you're leveraging their past experiences and trying to really understand what did they go through in their in those past experiences and then mm-hmm. taking it and applying it to what you want to find out, like whether it's goal orientation or leadership or whatever exactly. it is, precision. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about just going deep and understanding what things meant to people, what were they going through, why, 
and uh, yeah, you'll you'll pick up little nuggets that'll yeah. kind of cross a number of the criteria. So as as you're collecting the the data from the past in a fairly free flowing way, you you talk about attainment for a bit, but then you move on to their problem solving for a little while, and then mm -hmm. maybe you go to their leadership capacity. You you kind of you're building the picture. Um, how do you you mentioned like the interview scoring matrix? Can you just break down kind of how? You know what's an A, what's an F, what's a B? Like, how do you be as objective as possible with you know what is essentially is just someone's someone's memory? Like, how do you score it and and then compare it to each other? Because I think that's something that is can be really really sure. kind of gray, and you want it to be as black and white as possible. Sure, especially for people that are new to following a process like this, or yeah. have never been coached on it, or never had it been taught to them. So I think Benji, you're asking like, how do I know how to score somebody? Yeah. So I hear you. Like, give me a tool sheet to score somebody, but how do I know? How to what score is, <laughs> right? So real simple, I'd recommend one to five, right? Five high, one low. And uh, two factors you're looking for is how many examples of that you're seeing. And the other, so the, the, the more examples I see of someone's tenacity or someone's grit or their leadership, if it comes up frequently, that's one way to score them higher. And the mm -hmm. other one is the significance of the examples. Mm. So I will, I will, I will wait high if, if um, for example, um, uh, you're, you're probing on somebody's values, you're trying to get a feel for what this, this person's values is, and it's maybe somebody earlier on in their career, and they have some examples where it was really, really hard for them to show up and stand up for what they believed in, which is really how you interview for values, but it was significant, like this was a doozy. Well, that's okay, that's, that's to me, that's worth a couple of little examples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, if somebody was interviewing, they said, hey, this person's a four on this, or they're uh, um Fives are easy because it's all over the place, right? right. Like it's just oozing out of like it's just yeah, there. Yeah, it's yeah. there. It's easy. Um, twos and ones, you're not going to bring back anyway, so that's also easy. But when they're kind of threes, you know, that's... It's kind of there, but it's not significant. Which is yeah. why, exactly, which is why you have to go prove it. Where in the past have they shown this? Where in the past did you see this in the, in the, uh, in the interview? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you gotta you gotta see a couple of examples, yeah, two, okay. three, four examples, and and that's the hard part. I think I find for myself as an interviewer is like you have to really be objective with yourself. Like, is it there, or are you having to convince yourself that 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 it is it is really strong enough? To to James's point, like if if you're doing your job as an interviewer, helping them bring the story to life, it will really show up. And, yep. and you will see it. So I want to come in just with one really important point uh, for everybody listening. Um, we're talking about a lot of really awesome stuff just in this interview framework. If you want to see this in real life, uh, we've actually created this interview matrix with these preferences and abilities, and they are available if you go to the show notes uh, and look at the click the link in the description. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to download this interview matrix that James is talking about with these different preferences and abilities. Um, and how we might go about scoring them. So um, I just want to ask you, I think this is kind of assumed, but I just want to say explicitly, I'm assuming you're, you are taking notes on all this, right? Because if you're interviewing a number of people, you are you are tracking this stuff, right? Even though maybe it, it is it does make it a bit more difficult because you you'd need to be fully present in the conversation. But you do have a notepad on the side, yeah. One hundred percent for many many reasons. Mostly to be able to go back and substantiate why you're scoring yeah. somebody what they are, and hopefully you're seeing a few people. But we talked earlier about displaying competence. Yeah, and you want to be you want to be precise with your notes. And mm -hmm. when you're when you're having an example, and you're probing in and you're talking about something that happened four or five years ago or two years ago and you're asking the person's name and you're saying where were they, 
you want to demonstrate competence as a leader yourself by being precise with what you retain and what you're right. asking. So, um, and I, I just don't have time to waste, so I need to make sure the relevant things are captured, and I'm sure all everybody's listening uh, also is feeling that, you know? Mm -hmm. But when you're in an interview, and there's nothing like it at, uh, at the end of the interview, or, um, or even in follow-up, and you say, I just wanna ask you one more question. Back in uh, 2017, where you, when you were in Michigan, and you were talking to Stephen Smith about this, um, you said that this happened. <laughs> I just want to be clear. Did this happen or did that happen mm. with that person, Don? And that was an hour and a half ago in yeah. the conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in my feeling, if I'm being interviewed by you, it's like you whoa. have your stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's not, I guess somebody can consider that a tactic. That's not as much a, a tactic to do anything, but it's just being precise will send the right message. It'll attract the A players. It'll save you time. It'll get you to your, your outcome quicker. Mm -hmm. So your question was, do you take notes? Yeah, I don't know how someone can have time not to take notes. So totally. yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, so, so that's that kind of focused probing. Um, one of the things you said to me earlier is, is that it's really only after this that you're opening up to their questions. And I guess in, in a typical sense, like selling some value. Why do you do that? later as opposed to opening with that and having like a half hour conversation just about their, their, their questions and things. How come you leave that for the end? Yeah. Um, well, okay. Two, two answers to that question. One is I, I may like, I'm comfortable getting some questions at the beginning. I'm not going to answer them though. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm not going to answer them is because this isn't an information session. This is an interview. Mm. Right. I'm assuming that we've gone through the steps so that the person has a general understanding of what the role is. I'm putting myself in the, the shoes of your audience. Uh, there's been a qualifying call. Maybe there's been some steps to lead up to that. Mm -hmm. I've got the time blocked in my calendar. I am here to do three things. Score a person on whether or not they're going to move forward in the process or not. Understand where their gaps are and sell them to the next step. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody that, that is a fit. If this is an info session... Then, different. then it's different, right? And, yeah. and I'm sure you guys have all kinds of tools and mechanisms on how to use content and get things to people yeah. in advance and save time. So that's, that's the answer. I think, it's, uh, I think it's, Igor, it's, it's okay to get people's questions up front. If I were to do that, depending on you know, how you're managing time or something we haven't talked about also is group interviews. Maybe we should mm -hmm. talk about that for a minute. But um, uh, if I don't really know where they're at, I might do that at the front end and I'm going to take notes. And that's also going to help me maybe hit on some things um, throughout my questions, mm -hmm. and it's going to equip me for how much time I'm going to need at the end. Yeah. But it's also going to tell me what kind of homework they did, but um, usually I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to the bottom end. Yeah, totally. It's a really good point. Um, my process has always been is, is we would have an info meeting, or what we sometimes call it a discovery prior. meeting, prior. Yep. And I love that distinction that, that James brings. That is different than being interviewed. One of the things you and I have spoken about previously, when we didn't mention it, directly when we started here, but it is a very important bit, is you talk about the energy shift yeah. when moving into an interview. Because there's the rapport kind of, as you say, getting the, getting somebody ready, like like set up for a great conversation and getting yeah. them open. Um, you talk a bit about this energy shift. Like it's very clear that this is, this is getting serious now. Like we're diving into you and your background and qualifying you as a fit, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You want me to talk a bit about yeah, that? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, and the point you made about, uh, that we were talking about info session versus an interview, again, coming back to focus, having a person focused on this in your business, even if you think you can't afford it and you're not there yet, mm -hmm. um, that eliminates that because that recruiter's job is to make sure that the people are clear on the opportunity before they meet with you. Yeah. 
you know? Totally. So um, if you can delegate that, uh, if growth is uh, what you're looking for, I highly recommend it. But the energy shift, yeah, um, it just has to do with persona. And um, it's been my experience that, uh, and, and, you know, going way back, probably what I would have been attracted to as a, as a young um, business person is, uh, you, you want to, you want to show, uh, that you, uh, want to have empathy and connect with the people and you want to be real and you want to be transparent so that you're a human being. And that's kind of the rapport piece and, and just, that's kind of the opening, um, obviously being professional, the whole, the whole overarching piece is will they follow you, mm -hmm. right? Will they want to trust you as yeah. a leader, but that opening, you know, make them feel comfortable. Right, you want somebody to feel comfortable, so they can. It's easier for them to be genuine, and obviously easier mm -hmm. for them to get to truth. Yeah, and they, they they feel that in the short period that hey, I can trust Benji, right? Like this is this seems like a, a, a fairly uh, good fellow. The shift then moves uh, to just I would I would describe it as focus, mm -hmm. right? And you go from okay, so we're having a great little connection here, and happy to can we shift gears? I'm gonna you know gonna move to uh, to. Uh, digging into some questions. And often, um, Igor, what I'll do is, or in years gone by, or the audience where they're at um, with growing small businesses, what, I would, what I'd recommend is actually contract with the candidate and say, so we're gonna shift right now, and if it feels like I'm pushing or I'm, you know, I may have to cut you off or I'm, I'm being a bit more assertive, uh, that's not that I don't wanna hear what you have to say, I, just, I have a number of things I wanna get through. Right. I've got some very specific things I need to get to here today. And um, uh, I'd like to get started with that. Are you comfortable with that? Yes, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Then I am focused on asking them questions about these experiences. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to make them happy. I'm not trying to make them sad. Emotion is kind of gone. Yeah. Because at that point, what I'm doing is I, am, I have a very limited amount of time to get what mm -hmm. I need, yeah. which is where does Joe stack up on this criteria? Yeah. And uh, as you do that, a byproduct of that is uh, people will, my experience, people generally will experience that as being a little bit unique mm -hmm. because uh, the norm out there, even in mid-management or uh, it's my experience anyways, is, is uh, that's not clear with interviewers, that there's a start, you connect with the person, there's a time where you're actually probing in, and I'm not talking mm -hmm. about being a jerk, but there is a real, you can physically feel the focus shift in the room. Right. And then when you're done that, it's like, okay, now we're gonna have a conversation again. We're just right. gonna we're just gonna hey chat like what do you what do you want to know what can I tell you what do you know about the organization and um, just so that you know I'm actually not interviewing you for this job I'm actually inter interviewing you for the uh, the job as I do always two two roles down the down the you know the chain two years from now and if you want to know more about that I can tell you that yeah the, the, just the persona shifts the intensity kind of eases off again at yeah. the end yeah yeah, yeah. but the focus focus intensity yeah yeah it shifts yeah. a bit. This is huge, guys. I just I want to capture this because this is such a massive point. Um, I think a lot of people, even the ones that recognize the importance of selling in an interview, will see that in its classic sense that you need to take the time, you need to understand the candidate's needs, you need to speak to the role, the company, the journey in a way that's going to make sense to them. And all that stuff is super important. And by the way, I have one quick question for you on that in a moment. But what I think James is highlighting here that is that is so fundamental to being a great interviewer is that so much of the selling comes from the way that you go about the business mm -hmm. of interviewing. And anyone that's sat in a room with James will know this. It is so clear how experienced he is and how serious he is about his time and not wasting it. Um, his ability to interview, to lead, to run an organization is crystal clear just in that hour and hour and a half of, of him diving into your background that that's the real selling right there. 
and and that's powerful. It kind of it, it brings me back. You know, we had Angus Reed here, the uh, the national champion football player, and one of the questions I remember him saying that was he was pushed on by his coaches how good do you want to be Mm -hmm. and I think when you get to a point if you want to be extraordinary at interviewing you need to get to a point where the competence and the selling of why someone would want to follow you and work in the company will come from how well you execute as an interviewer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's that's really amazing you said you had another question I have a question for you uh um first actually it's a comment on something that you said earlier is um in order to do that you have to make sure that the interview is set up to be an interview. Mm-hmm. And that's a difference between an information meeting and an interview. So if you've got somebody that's a great candidate and they don't really know what it is they're applying for, mm-hmm. stop everything. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Don't do an interview. They're not ready yet. They're not ready yet, totally. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you can't skip that step because they're not, you're, you're, they're not even informed you know, on what, like fully on what the role is. So when you say sales manager, what does that mean? Am I actually selling? Am I, you know, one person reporting yeah. to me or fifteen? Right. Yeah. So, um, just your your comment on uh, kind of making sure that painting the picture of the job and make sure people are clear on what it is they're yeah. applying for is done in advance is that's so important because that then allows you to say, okay, you know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. We're clear. Now let's talk about you. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, D- total distinction between an information session or a discovery meeting, whatever you want to call it, which is what's the company, what's the role you're applying for, what are the intricacies of the responsibilities look like, completely different conversation than is the interview. I remember, so you, James, you and I crossed paths literally in the hallway in my first year of college, bro. We went on, we both spent, uh, you much much before me, but we spent a lot of time hiring franchisees. I remember that system was taught so well, like we would spend like Mm -hmm. an hour and a half with a prospective franchisee just Mm. talking about the role. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and it was only then after if it made potential sense as a fit that they would get to an interview. Sometimes it's that extensive, and there's still roles that I hire for right now where it's like an hour and a half long discovery meeting, whether I'm doing it or someone else is doing it. But you want to get the right people clear on what they're applying for. Yeah, and and if because uh, uh, time is limited, right? And some people are listening to you right now. You're going, are you kidding me? You want to spend an hour yeah. and a half with someone talking Before about a, a lead technician role or an ops manager role? So. Uh, you got to do it. But if you don't have the hour and a half, figure out a system to do it. So what I would say is, um, I'm sure you guys could lead something like this, but just uh, record a vidured video or record a video on something. But even if it's just like low tech on your iPhone, here is what the job is. Here's what the career path is for the job. Mm. Here's where I'm going with my organization. These are my three most commonly asked questions when I talk to people about the role. Here's what success looks like. Here's how the compensation structure is and here's what our culture's like. Now, if you have questions, before the interview, get back to me with da-da-da-da-da. Away you go. Even something like that, it can save you time, but just the importance of what you said is so critical. Yeah. Love it. That's such a great bit. And you will often, I think, on, uh, see a lot about the candidate based on how well they've thought through that mm-hmm. and prepared yeah. stuff sure. if yeah. they really respect if they really respect your time. Um, one other thing I just want to highlight from our conversation last, when we talked last week, James, is one of the things you said that from a selling perspective, you talked about the journey that you're taking people on and the fact that you're interviewing them and often looking at them for one to two roles ahead of where Mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From your experience, what are high performers attracted to? If you're going to speak to them about anything, you've got only, let's say, 10 to 15 minutes at the end of an interview, Mm -hmm. and they're asking you questions about the organization and where the role goes. What are the, why is this journey thing so important for high performers? Yeah, so I think that somebody... um, that is, you know, anywhere from an average to a top candidate is, uh, or not is, should be um, given the opportunity to 
have a clear picture painted for uh, how they could advance your organization. And I say that because often as interviewers, uh, you can almost assume that someone can take take for advantage. Like, of course, they would know that there might be an opportunity. Don't take that. Don't take that for. Explain uh, it. Yeah. Don't don't take that for granted. I said advantage for granted. Take the time. Explain it. Give them specifics. Give them examples if you have any of people that have promoted, mm-hmm. been promoted or moved up in your organization. Um, that speaks to your culture. It speaks to your track record, and um, and it's a powerful message to say that you're already thinking about progression from within and. Uh, it's how you want to grow your business. So yeah. just, yeah, just the point is don't take it for granted. Always have that part of your, uh, uh, not just your onboarding process, but even starting in your interviewing process so that people see the opportunity. Yeah. So when you close out an interview, you're coming to the end of, of, of one of these meetings. Um, there's one thing that, that uh, I've heard you talk about before, which is like doing a trial close, especially on your top candidates. Mm-hmm. For our listeners, like what is a trial close? Why do you do one? Yeah, trial close is a conditional close, uh, trial or conditional. Uh, so it means uh, if a condition happens, uh, would you make a decision? So what that looks like is, uh, Benji, uh, thanks for your time today. I've got a lot of notes here and we're going to reflect on this and uh, obviously got a lot of candidates we're going to talk to. But um, if I were to offer you the job, uh, would you want the job? Yes. That's trial close. Why is that so important to do? Uh, I feel like right now I should ask you because you know the answer too. But the uh, the reason it's important is you need to gauge where that person is at and their desire, and you're trying to surface objections, right? If they exactly. uh, have left something on the table that uh, uh, they're concerned about or the question they don't have answered, um, someone likely will not say yes when you say, "If I offer you the job, you know, would you take it?" Or often it's not, "If I, would I offer you the job?" It's if I if I offered to connect with you again, would you want to spend some time yeah, together yeah. again, right? Yeah. Whatever the next step is in the journey. <laughs> But yeah, you want to make sure that you're trial closing on uh, on every step of the way. Yeah, and so you can uncover those objections because what you don't want is to the work point where you've selected the candidate that you want to hire, and then you go to hire them, and it turns out they have four objections that yeah, you yeah. never brought to the yeah. surface. To Actually, be I wasn't able to really address. sure about like this, yeah, exactly. and then you, it's way too late. It, it's interesting, Veggie, on that question. Uh, something that I've, in my experience, I've seen people uh, often misinterpret also with the trial closes. If someone says no. That doesn't mean that they're a great. That doesn't mean that they're not a great candidate, and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still, you know, potentially not hire this person, right? But often, uh, you know, I've heard or experienced that people will say, "Well, they, they don't. They're not a ten out of ten, or they don't want the job. Therefore, why would I offer them the job?" Well, the answer is because you probably missed something in your yeah. conversation with them. Yeah, yeah. Right? totally. So just to everybody, if if you say if, if I say to Igor, "Hey, do you want to meet again?" and he says, "I don't know. I'll think about it." That doesn't necessarily mean Igor's a bad guy. It means there's you got, some you got objection. To, there. Yeah, there's something there. So okay, well let's unpack that for a second. You know, yeah. seems like something's in your mind. Like what what what, what would make you want to meet with me again, yeah. Igor? So, yeah, hundred cool. percent. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just to recap here, the like the actual process of an interview interview we've gone over. And just by the way, listeners, if you want to look at this framework, it will be in the show notes. There is a rapport building section. You set super super clear purpose and outcomes. Then you have that shift in energy. Hey, we're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the interview part here. I'm gonna be a little bit more assertive. Um, that's that's sort of like the you know if you, if you wanted to call it you're grilling the person. That's that's the part where you are legitimately asking questions, looking for evidence of the traits you want to see. You'd sell some value. You have a clear close next step. And if you need to trial close, you would do that in there as well. So that's kind of the process of the interview. I really encourage if you're listening to this, go download this template and use it at your next interview. It's going to make your life a lot, a lot easier. Um, Shifting gears just out of the, the process of an interview, James, 
you know, like skills, experience, personality, uh, previous education. That's that's one thing. What are your thoughts on like how how do you interview for core values? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of it's similar to what we talked about earlier. Like it would be like when you say core values, I would start with really clearly defining what your core values are. Um, uh, and that's probably the hardest part. That's mm-hmm. the hard work, right? Like to you, what really matters? You I'll know, give you like, an example. Like, like BTA's core, core values are, are be real, genuinely care about people mm-hmm. and embrace the journey. So mm-hmm. let's, let's say like if, if we said genuinely care about people is something we, we hey, we've got to make sure that this person has that value. How might we go about looking for that mm-hmm. in their background? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so two thoughts on that. The first one is values. So one, I would, like I said a minute ago, define what those are. You guys are very clear on that. You know what they are, right? You know mm-hmm. what you're looking for. If you're... Uh, uh, listeners are not clear. Start with that. Yeah. So just that, and and that's hard work, right? Like, is it this or is it this? Because mm-hmm. you can, I can give you 15 values and say which are important. You say all of them, mm-hmm. right? But which are the core four? Uh, so once you've got that nailed, uh, the two pieces to the answer would be values are generally something. If you're doing good probing in their previous experiences, they will surface. How someone engaged with someone, how someone walked through a challenging situation, how they navigated a conflict, how they walked through change, um, how they made decisions, their values show up in times of friction, right? Mm. In those highs and those lows and those decision-making times, that's where your values are on stage. It's not when life is easy. Um, uh, so it's going to show up. So you're going to be grabbing some notes there. Um, and uh, depending on the individual, sometimes you just out of that, you will have a very clear, clear picture on... Uh, how this person behaves, um, you know, in those in those times. The second piece is um, go through yours again, Benji. Uh, our, our values: yeah. be real, yeah. genuinely care about people, yeah. and embrace the journey. Okay. So, uh, in addition to paying attention to it through the probing, which is I generally would look at values last because mm-hmm. I want to get all surface all the examples of their life first. Um, genuinely care for people. Yeah. So I would just tell them what my values are. I say Here, here's what's important to us, BTA. And so I want to talk to you about genuinely caring for people. Um, so, Benji, when you think about ge- genuinely caring for people, what I'd like to know is, can you tell me about a specific time where it was really, really hard for you to show that you really cared about somebody? Right. And then mm-hmm. say nothing. And I, as the interviewee, would be going back through my experience going, okay, like, hmm, when I was... Uh, you know, when I was much younger in my teenage years, I had this like, huge fight with my brother, blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd, like, I'd actually unpack the... But that's the key is when was it difficult? That's it. You got yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Right. So it's not when, when, uh, when have you showed you'd care, you've cared for people or, or say somebody says honesty is a core value of theirs. When were you honest? Well, hopefully you're honest every day. Yeah. <laughs> right? That doesn't mean it's a core value of yours. Right. What, what matters is when your honesty is challenged, yeah. how do you show up? So what I want to probe for is what, not, not do you do what you say, but when did you deliver what you promised or when did you do, do what you said when it was really hard to do that? Yeah, got it. And again, as we talked about earlier, if the value's there, that won't be hard for a person to tell you. Totally. It's there. And if the, you don't see the example or they're confused or you don't, if they're really struggling, that is the result of the question you're looking for. And the answer is it's not there. Right. 100%. 
right? Yeah. Very so. good. Before we close out, James, I got two quick questions for you here. Um, I have been on the receiving end of reference checks from you, mm. and okay. it's, um, <laughs> it has been extraordinarily clear uh, how much you know about candidates at that point and what you're trying to get out of me as the reference check receiver. Um, and we, we, of course, we could talk, we could have a whole episode with you on reference checks in general, but let me just ask you one quick question. In your eyes, what is the purpose of a reference check? Um, yeah, it's, it's a continuation of the interview process. So the, the three reasons that we talked about to do an interview, no, no change there. That's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to you know, understand their uh, past behavior so you can predict future performance and make your decision and score them and know where to coach them and sell. Um, but uh, the purpose of the reference check is to validate or to find gaps. Like sometimes in an interview, you will just run out of time, mm. right? That's mm -hmm. something that I, you know, uh, I've often found. You have X amount of time allotted and it's a good chunk of time. You get a couple gaps. You can bring them back. Sometimes you get one more thing. You want to you wanna supplement that uh, with a reference check. Ideally, ideally, what you want is you want your main criteria scored. You've got examples or no examples. Mm -hmm. And if they're continuing, how I would coach people to do this uh, is your reference check is to substantiate and validate what you think you saw. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you've got this person, um, let's say it's a technical competency. You're, you're hiring a project manager and mm -hmm. they're talking about their specific examples of, as a PM of, you know, um, what they've done and the challenges and their learning and experience and whatnot. And uh, what you want to do is you want to validate that mm -hmm. because uh, that's you going, yep. I've got it right or I've got it wrong. The other reason to do a reference check is to fill in the gaps. So if you haven't quite been able to completely round uh, out your your uh, perspective of the candidate, you use it to go where you weren't able to go with the candidate. Yeah, absolutely. Key point there is you're going into the reference check knowing what you're trying to get at it. Oh, it's, yeah. It's not a casual chat of, hey, Jim, so you worked with Mark? Great. Yeah, he's <laughs> a great guy, isn't he? Like. Yeah. That's not a reference check. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I get calls, uh, or I'm sure you guys have over oh, the yeah. years, many, many, many times from many people checking references. Hi, I just wanted to see if you'd hire them again. And my answer is, I have no idea. Can you back up and tell me what you're hiring the person for? Yeah, yeah. What are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. right? totally. The answer is maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, could, it could be a great person. Um, but uh, so but, yeah. often, often people think reference check is about... Um, uh, you know, how much you like the person, or it could be around corporate culture and fit, right? Yeah. Um, that's a thing, but that's a waste of a phone call, Yeah. right? I would say be very specific and uh, have a couple of specific things and you are interviewing that reference check. Totally. Don't waste the time. Say, mm -hmm. okay, I've, do you have 15 minutes? Do you have 10 minutes? Okay, there's a couple of very specific things I want to ask yeah. you. Can you give me examples? And if they if it's there, the examples will come easily. And then you don't just take one example, you probe. Tell me more about that. When was that? Da, 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 da. And if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. Final quick one from you. Uh, something I've heard you talk about, Brian Scudamore at O2E Brands talks about Eric Church, this beer and barbecue test. Mm -hmm. When it comes, we've talked a lot about like, are they competent? Are they the right fit in terms of their ability to perform? When it comes to uh, organizational culture fit. Uh, what do you guys at O2E mean by this like beer and barbecue test? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, pretty much spot on what you said, cultural fit, right? Like you spend a lot of time, uh, with the people that you, um, mm -hmm. work with. Log a lot of hours. Yeah. The two of you guys probably spend a lot yeah, of hours together. Are you going to, is this the type of person you're going to want to invite over and have a backyard barbecue with? And, um, 
you know, different people, depending on their level of extroversion or introversion, will have yeah. a higher orientation to wanting to be around just more people and some less so. But at the end of the day, um, that test of do they fit me wanting to invest time and spend time with them, and, and not just me, it's actually had nothing to do with me, it has to do with the rest of the team. Like, will right. the would yeah. would they fit in on a barbecue backyard barbecue with the team? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Like, do they do they fit? And you kind of you kind of know what your vibe is, what your culture is, and um, uh, for me, for us, at you know, in, in with our brands, that's that's really important. We can mm -hmm. have a very very competent person, and if they, I know you guys get this, but if the if the cultural fit isn't there, it's just yeah. not going to work. It'd be very painful. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amazing. Um, great, James. What's what I love about this chat and every one of my other interactions with you is just like your presence, how much you're here, how you listen, how focused you are, wherever you might be. Um, it's, it's such a special trait that's not common, I think, especially in our distracted world, which is getting even more so every day. Um, I just want to close out with one final question on, on this for you is, is, is how did you become that way, I think that's one of the things that, that if someone asked me, like, what is James Alish? Like, that would be one of the first things that comes to mind. How, how did that, how did you nurture that for yourself? And why is it so important in business, not just in interviewing, mm -hmm. but everywhere as a leader? Uh, first thing, I hope my wife doesn't see this because she'd be <laughs> falling off her chair in laughter right now. Uh, my kids as well. But uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, um, I think when I hear you say that, I think number one, I really, really value that. So to me, it's it's very meaningful when someone mm -hmm. um, works hard at listening yeah. and I feel valued, right. right? I feel respected and that was probably ingrained in me at a very uh, young age. I was fortunate enough to have that role modeled for me um, through a number of different people. Um, so it's kind of one of those things when you, when, you, when you get to see and you get to taste and you're like, why? That, that's important, yeah. I really like that. Um, that's probably the, the root of it. And then um, over time, realizing that it is really hard to do mm -hmm. in today's distracted world and how busy we are. And uh, it's just hard, right? Really being a great listener is really hard. And I'm not a great listener, just, like, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm <laughs> terrible. I, I can, uh, I work at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I work at it is because I am highly committed to the value of it, mm -hmm. right? So I started by saying I value of it, but I, I am, I, if you can cultivate a relationship where people almost to a point of feeling it's unique or they, they feel it's actually quite, you know, not surprising, but it's, 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 it's odd how hard mm -hmm. this person is trying to understand what I'm saying, whether it's what you're doing right now, like right. focused, listening, dialed in, how you play back to someone, how you slow down, how you're not listening to answer, mm -hmm. you're slow to defend. You always ask another couple of questions to understand and to probe before mm -hmm. you before you answer. It's 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 a unique thing. It's memorable. And yeah, it's memorable. That's a great word. It's yeah. memorable, and yeah. um, and it makes people feel respected and valued, yeah. right? And uh, and I'm not great at it, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's hard, you know. It's but uh, I think those are the reasons. I just I value it. Like it's a really yeah. important thing, and and it doesn't just show up in an interview. Like it's not like it's it's definitely we've talked about it today. It's it's the core of an interview, right? Because you got a limited amount of time. You got to listen to what you're hearing and and uh, and leverage it. But it's it's uh, it's an all the time, every day uh, uh, challenge and skill that that I believe is a leadership trait 
that is critical. And, you know, leaders that I work with, I know work really hard at it. And I'm really, really privileged to, to work with some exceptional people that are, that are great listeners and um, cultivate a culture of people feeling, you know, valued and respected. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers the question. Does Absolutely. It? Yeah. It's just, it, it is fascinating to hear um, how much you do work on it. And maybe I guess it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't come it's a naturally. It's always, a it will always be totally. But, um, but I will say it, it is memorable. I remember meeting you in, in the hallway of the college pro office on that staircase. If you remember it's in a long it time ago, 2006, but, and that still to this day stands out about you. So it, it is, it is truly, I think something for it as a leader, as a kind of a fundamental skill and a leader's tool belt. Uh, something to work on because it applies to so many of the disciplines yeah. within business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's amazing. James, thank you so much. My for pleasure. Spending been fun, the time guys. with us. Thanks for having yeah. And uh, we really appreciate it. Awesome. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.